Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Fight Game with Damon Cotton. I am your host, Damon Cotton, and I say it each and every week. We've got so much to talk about in the world of combat sports. I don't know where to start. And we only have one guest today, so you're going to hear a lot of me. And our one guest is Andreas Hale. Really excited to get him on. Going to be about, you know, at least after the first segment, we're going to talk to Andreas because I've got a lot to say. I've got to get something off my chest. I know we're going to be talking about Jake Paul, his win over, over Anderson Silva. It wasn't a conspiracy theory. He landed that punch flush. He knocked him down got the win over the spider Anderson Silva. What's next for Jake Paul? We're going to talk to Andreas about that. But in the world of professional wrestling, there's just so much to talk about. I know that Crown Jewel is coming up this weekend. Jake Paul's brother, Logan Paul, going to be main, main eventing against the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. So that's going to be exciting. And we're going to do a full preview of Crown Jewel later on in the show. But when I say there's so much to talk about in professional wrestling, I want to start the show... By talking about AEW, we've had Tony Khan on this program numerous times. I mean, he's one of the best when it comes to giving his time. When it comes to promoting AEW, he's one of the best. He considers himself the Booker of the Year because he's won that award from Wrestling Observer two years in a row, I believe. But last night's AEW Dynamite was just one of those shows where it just shows the flaws in AEW. It's disjointed. There's match after match, but there's no rhyme or reason for why the title's being defended and who gets a title shot. It was just one of those shows that made me think, hey, maybe I don't like AEW as much as I think I do. Because the smear campaign against CM Punk ever since the brawl out, as they're coining it, has just been ridiculous. Can you imagine? You go on a rant, a tirade about how you work with children. And you put out the proverbial, if you have a problem, come see me. And guess what? Your bosses, technically, the EVPs of the company that you work for, they decide to come see you. They bust in your locker room. They Technically, they don't kick down the door, but they bust in your locker room, and then there's a fight. And now you're the one who's getting fired. There's going to be a, a sizable buyout. CM Punk is going to be fine. But now CM Punk, he's not going to wrestle in AEW again. And the elite... The EVPs, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, they are doing this Thanos snap type of promotion reveal that they are going to be coming back soon. And it's, I just have to ask the question, what are we doing? Were there cutting out images? There would be no AEW without the elite. You can't have AEW without the elite, blah, blah, blah. But they're making themselves martyrs of, hey, when they come back, they're going to go back after those trios titles, that death triangle one after they had to vacate them for being suspended but i just can't think of any other scenario where you get to go fight an employee you've been in the position of a boss three on one you go whoop somebody's ass you beat them up i don't know the conf there's conflicting reports who won the fight did a still bite kenny omega i don't know any of that but i'm just gonna say you go in looking for a fight three on one and then you get to come back to work a month or two later and just say, hey, man, this place wouldn't be the same without us, huh? What, what? What? It just doesn't make any sense to me that they just get to be lauded as these heroes for the company that, hey, they did built. I'll give them the pat on the back for that. It's not that they're lying when they say there would be no AEW without the elite and Cody Rhodes, I might add. But they did the same thing to Cody, where when Cody left and he went back to WWE, it was, hey, man, we didn't even care about, we weren't trying to compete with WWE. I mean, I know we had our YouTube show being the elite and we would laud up our cease and desist that we're getting from WWE from stealing their catchphrases and hand signals. But no, 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 no. We never even thought about WWE. That was all Cody. And now that CM Punk is out the door, it's he's the one who started the fight with us. You hear from Chris Jericho, he's a locker room cancer. No one even liked him. No one even wanted him to be here and work with the company, even though... Every week since he signed, the first five weeks of CM Punk signing with the company was just CM Punk. Hey, man, you're going to start the show and you just go out and talk. 
He's going to be the ratings dynamo. He's going to be a game changer. But now that he's out of the company, you're just hearing from people. None of the young guys liked him. There wasn't that much of a mentor. No one wanted to be around him. So which one is it? Was he the worst person that ever lived and the worst thing that ever happened to AEW? Or for that one year, he was only in AEW for one year, or for that one year, was he the best thing that ever happened to the company? Was he the biggest star? Was he the biggest ratings draw? Because it's just getting lost in the sauce. And the biggest move to sow this is Colt Cabana. He makes his return last night to AEW television. And yes, one of the problems that CM Punk had with Hangman Page was the fact that, oh man, I look out for people. You took Colt Cabana off of TV. Colt Cabana is a very serviceable wrestler. He's been in the business for a long time, not taking anything away from him. Boom, boom, Colt Cabana, a great comedy wrestler. But for people at the time to say, hey, man, CM Punk, you have a problem with your former friend, and you're the reason he's not working anymore. And CM Punk says, hey, I've got nothing to do with this guy. If Tony Khan thought it was best for business to take him off of TV, and I do think that's what Tony Khan did. He saw that there was a conflict of interest, Cole Cabana, not that big of a star. Maybe he's on TV every now and again, every once in a while. Hey, Colt, you know, we're just not going to use you on TV. There are plenty of guys on the AEW roster who deserve TV time more than Cole Cabana who are not being used right now. So you get the welcome return. CM Punk, he's out of the company. So that means that Cole Cabana, he gets to come back to TV. Last week, Chris Jericho, he says he's going to open challenge. I'm calling out any former Ring of Honor champion. And that didn't mean Ring of Honor World Champion as if I thought. But no, Colt Cabana, a former tag team champion in Ring of Honor with who? CM Punk. So he's getting this match with Chris Jericho. Why? Because of his friendship with CM Punk. So man, I know that people like to say, hey man, the friendship wore down. But I think Colt Cabana, he's been living off of this CM Punk friendship for damn near 20 years now. And I know it's not his fault that, hey man, you blow up and then... Somebody's got to be more famous in the group. There's always going to be a, a Janetti and a Shawn Michaels. But he comes back and then they make it seem as if he just came back from almost losing his life or something tragic happened. He had to overcome some injury and there, he's got a big chant and we all knew that there was some chatter. They knew the wrestling observer saying, hey, this is going to get there's going to be something that happens tonight that's going to get Twitter talking. And then I see Cole Cabana come out. This is what's going to get Twitter talking. Yeah, because this is the final nail in the coffin of CM Punk is out of AEW. That fact that Colt Cabana gets to come back. And so what are we talking about? What are we doing? Is that how much you really want to spite someone to say, hey, he's out of the company and Colt Cabana is our big trump card of look what we've done? And he had a match with Chris Jericho. Wasn't that good? There was a little rust and you could see that this guy hasn't been in the ring that well that long. And it looked like a match between a 50-year-old and a 45-year-old. Wasn't that compelling, to be honest. But yeah, my problems with AEW, I'll just go from the start of the card now. Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal. What do we have here? Jay Lethal, great wrestler, one of the best in the business. Okay, I'm not going to doubt that at all. Darby Allen, one of the young pillars for AEW. We get the, hey, we're going to ban, we're going to ban Satnam Singh from ringside. Oh, man, we're going to get rid of the big giant the referee does. And then you have someone that's impersonating Sting. You can't even try to do the, hey, is this Sting Darby Allen's mentor? Hits him with a bat. But you can tell right away, oh, that isn't Sting. And the commentators, Taz, Shivani, Excalibur, they're still trying to do the, hey, could that be? Is it? I don't, is that Sting? No, it's not Sting. We can all tell that that is not Sting. He hits Darby Allen in the ribs with the bat. Jay Lethal gets the finish. But why do, why have us a... a why have chicanery involved in the finish? Why can't Jay Lethal just beat Darby Allen clean? I would have maybe a, a low blow and a roll up instead of, hey, is that Sting? No, we don't need that. And then what happens? Sting music hits. And then everybody's looking at the, at the entrance way like, oh, we're going to give Sting a, a run for his money. Is Sting actually going to come out here now and save his protege, Darby Allen? And we're all looking. We're all waiting for Sting. Everybody's gearing up for Sting to save the day, make the big save. Jeff Jarrett comes out of nowhere, the man in black. Jeff Jarrett turns around Darby Allen, who just lost the match to Jay Lethal, and hits him in the head with a guitar. Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Spend my nights working hard on the go, but the hand on the clock keeps spinning too slow. 
I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. What is he doing in AEW? He lays out one of the young stars. But for Darby Allen, how much do they are they trying to bury him to the fact, hey, we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna lose to Jay Lethal. Okay. You know, we're gonna do we're gonna do it was um Cole Carter who's under the sting mask, who the, he's the fake sting. All right, so Cole Carter, he's gonna align himself with Jay Lethal and Singh and Sanjay Dutt. Okay, all right, cool. Okay, so a, a nice young guy that Jay Lethal's gonna take under his wing. All right. And then what then what next? All right, Darby, here's what's gonna happen next. You're gonna lose the match, fake sting. Sting's music is going to play. Okay, Sting's going to come make the save. No, not exactly. Then Jeff Jarrett's going to come out, and you know you just lost the match. You're holding your ribs. Your ribs really got bruised up that match. Jeff Jarrett's going to hit you over the head with a guitar. And now you're in a feud with Jay Lethal, Cole Carter, and Jeff Jarrett? What's the point of Jeff Jarrett being a big TV star in AEW in the year 2022? But shout out to Jeff Jarrett. That man's never missed a bag. I mean... That man's work ethic is second to none. Mention how his family's been in the wrestling business since the 1940s, and man, he's got Carney in his blood. Because that man is going to be working, and he's going to be working. And I say all this about AEW. I'm mentioning things that they had on the show that I didn't like. And then you have a triple threat match for the All-Atlantic Championship. And I don't even know where you could place on the map what does the All-Atlantic Championship mean. I do not know. But hey, you've got Phoenix, one of the best high-flyer luchadors in the world. You've got a luchasaurus. Eh. And you've got Orange Cassidy, all in this match. And I mentioned the Elite, how they're just making their comeback, and they're doing the Thanos snap theory of, what if the Elite were never in AEW? You couldn't do this without them. They're setting up already the breakup of Death Triangle of the Lucha Bros and Pac. Pac tries to give Phoenix the hammer, you know, take out Orange Cassidy once and for all. Hey, man, he's got too much honor in that. Loses the match. Orange Cassidy gets the pin, retains the title. So once you see that, hey, Pac is, you know, a little bit more sinister, a little bit more devilish. He wants to cheat. One of his stable mates isn't with the cheating. They have the trios championships. And you, you can already see the writing on the wall. Hey, there's some dysfunction with these guys. The Elite are going to come back and they're going to take those trios titles off of them very easily. It's not even going to be a contest. And then the Elite, they're going to be able to say, hey, we got back the titles that we never lost. And there's gonna, they're going to be beating a trios team that's already facing a little bit of dysfunction. And I know you're probably thinking, man, Damon, are you all the way out on AEW? I'm not. Because after that trios match, Pac slides in the ring. Is he going to take out Orange Cassidy? But AEW... They know how to reel me in. They know how to make me say, hey, but wait, I got to give them a chance. Because they give out a debut and someone that I really, he shouldn't be wrestling. Somebody that I'm probably thinking, hey, this guy should not be wrestling at all. But he makes his appearance in AEW, and this is what it sounded like. Katsuyori Shibata from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he's not alone! Rocky Romero, best friends! Oh boy! The last time we saw Shibata here in AEW was back at Forbidden Door! But now he appears here at Dynamite! Shibata's a bad man and Pac is saying, let me, let me take a little break right here and figure this out and check out the situation. And the crowd here in Baltimore in disbelief, and so is Pack. And we've seen Shibata. He's had Orange Cassidy's back before. It was at Forbidden Door when Will Ospreay was attacking Orange Cassidy that Shibata made his first appearance here in AEW. Well, there's the message. That's what Shibata's pointing at. Guess what? Is that contract? <laughs> He's got the pen too. 
Katsuyori Shibata putting pen to paper, and there is your All-Atlantic City Dream Match for this Friday night at Rampage. That's official for sure for this Friday, like you just said, man. Wow. That's big. And just like that, I'm back in. I just spent my opening of the show ragging on AEW, everything that I think is wrong with the company. But you give me Shibata, one of the kings of strong style, a guy whose head has been busted open more times than I can count. Someone who, like I said, he shouldn't be wrestling. I'm not a doctor, but it's probably just Swiss cheese up there. But hey, man, he's back in the ring. Him and Orange Cassidy on Rampage. I'm all in. Also, Lee Moriarty, John Moxley. I like the match. Maybe Lee Moriarty got in more, more offense than he should against the AEW world champion and John Moxley. But I like that match as well. And also, I love the MVP chants that were going on as Lee Moriarty was taking on John Moxley. And they weren't cheering for the match. They were in Baltimore last night for AEW. And guess who had just walked into the building? Yeah, the real MVP, Lamar Jackson. So you've got the MVP chance of Lamar Jackson as Lee Moriarty and John Moxley are going at it in the ring. But AEW, they're not going to miss a chance for the clout at all. Because then you have a backstage promo with the boss, Rick Ross. And him and Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. So, hey, man. All in all, it was a pretty good show, I guess. You have the stuff where I can't stand it about AEW. But then you give me Lamar Jackson, Rick Ross, and Lee Moriarty all in prominent spots. And Shibata. And just like that, I'm back in. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Andreas Hale. And he's just going to break down what I saw on Saturday, what we all saw on Saturday, Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Don't go anywhere. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. This is JT from Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed as a model of what good beer should be. Modelo Especial is a rich, full-flavored, Pilsner-style lager, delivering a crisp, refreshing taste, brewed with fighting spirit since 1925. Football Central at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort Casino is the place to catch all of the action. Join the party every Sunday inside the International Theater at the Westgate with lots of room to watch all of the games on the 11 giant HD screens. Free admission with a guaranteed seat in the smoke-free theater. Great specials on drinks, buckets of beer, and food specials, plus betting stations right outside the theater. Don't miss it. The best place to watch all of the games is at the Superbook in the International Theater at the Westgate Las Vegas. Hey, it's Greg Salerno from Comp 92.3 and Football Halftime Show on 1230 The Game. If you're looking for a mechanic for fleet service, diesel, gas, classic cars, or even your old regular car, look no further than Semper Fi Auto Repair. They have state-of-the-art equipment to make sure your diagnosis is right the first time. Give them a call at 702-379-5409 or go to SemperFiAutoRepair.com. That's 702-379-5409. Also, tis the season, 10% off your next repair up to 50 bucks. If you mention football, Come see why thousands have made the switch to Finley Chevrolet. 215 at South Rainbow. Buy new roads. F-I-N-D-L-A-Y. Finley Chevy is a place to buy. Home of the... When was the last time you heard anyone say, man, I'm excited to go to the dentist? Well, that's because it's not very exciting, nor is it fun. But it is very important, especially if you're dog or cat. And Hearts Alive Village knows that. That's why we're offering a $20 dental consultation. You heard me right. Just $20. Come on, it's for your pet. To schedule an appointment, go to heartsalivevillage.org. Hearts Alive Village, giving animals a voice. Henderson Silver Knights. The Vegas Nighthawks. And the NBA G Welcome to the Dollar Loan Center, the epicenter of Entertainment in Henderson. It's the biggest weekend yet at the Dollar Loan Center. Friday, November 4th, the hardwood is laid and the hoops are up with the NBA G League Ignite. Take on the Oklahoma City Blue. Tip-off is at 7 p.m. Boogity. Uh-oh. Hey, now! That's unguardable. Saturday, November 5th at 7 p.m., the ice gets cold as the Henderson Silver Knights finish a two-game series against the Bakerfield Condors. Two on one, cut of the net, and he scores! Sunday, November 6th, the NBA G League Ignite are back on the court as they face the Salt Lake City Stars. Tip-off is at 5 p.m. Tickets are available now at the dollarloancenter.com and axs.com. Plus, every Monday, the Farmer's Market visits the Dollar Loan Center tilt yard right outside Craigie Ranch Bar and Grill. 
Looking to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy? Go to Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer, in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. The most knowledgeable staff, the best of everything in every single department. So never cut corners on your health and well-being. Go to Stay Healthy Health Food Store because you deserve the best. Located at 840 South Rancho Drive on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston in the Smith Center. Open Monday through Friday 9 to 6 and closed on Sundays. See you soon. I'm sick of the price of everything going up. You know what? Screw it. I'm bringing prices down. Hi, I'm Dave Mizrahi, owner of Best Mattress. Call it Rollback or Inflation Buster or whatever, but right now at Best Mattress, you can save up to $700 on Serta, Sealy, and Beautyrest mattresses. How do you like them, Apple's inflation? Or get a queen adjustable base and mattress starting at just $599. Who's your daddy now, inflation? We're not just slapping inflation around. We're making an apologize, too. Best Mattress. Sleep easy, friends. See store for details. Welcome back to The Fight Game with Damon Cotton. And I'm pleased to introduce my next guest. You can check him out on Fighting Words. It's clobbering time. Sporting news, I mean, what don't you do? The co-host of the Corner Podcast, you can catch him on Sirius XM. I mean, our heroes rock. I mean, he can even tell you how good to pimper butterfly is by Kendrick Lamar. Andreas Hellman, is there anything that I missed? No, man, I don't think so, man. I think you got us all covered. I appreciate the intro, though. Yeah, man, I've been trying to get this one for a long time. When I hit you up on Twitter, I checked back the DMs, and back in my UNLV days, I think I had a, an, a project or an assignment to do, and I reached out to you via DM. So this has been something for me that's been a long time coming, so thank you. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm glad to be a part. All right, so let's just go ahead and take it back to Saturday night. Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, a wild fight I did not expect. I expected a good contest, and I guess we got that. So what were your impressions of Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva? Well, for one, I mean, first things first, I actually scored it for Anderson Silva, although I won't call the fight a robbery. I thought it was very close. It was some very close rounds. Um, most importantly is the, the marked improvement of Jake Paul. Over the past you know, few years, We've seen him take tremendous steps forward as a boxer. You know, he has a great jab. He's always had that great right hand. But he overcame some adversity dealing with Anderson Silva. And granted, Anderson Silva's 47 years old, but the man just recently beat former WBC middleweight champion Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So he's a fighter. And this ended up being a very good fight. Uh, Paul, you know, comes out with the win. I didn't agree with the scorecards. They were a little bit wide for me. But I'm not mad at the decision. And uh, I thought it was a very, very entertaining fight. Yeah, you say you weren't mad at the decision. For you, do you think that it was the knockdown that put Jake Paul over? Because for me, when I saw that, I was like, okay, there's no way that he's going to lose this fight now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is it, it would be hard to suggest that Anderson Silva could win this fight by decision um, in Arizona, you know, against Jake Paul, that he would need to knock him out. A lot of people thought that. Um, and if you look at the scorecards, the funny thing is he didn't need that knockdown in the eighth round to win the fight. They had him ahead on the scorecards already. So he didn't need it. But for a lot of people that, that saw this fight as close as I did, that was a very important round. It could have swung the fight in, in his way. I think the fight was still relatively up for grabs. I think the first three rounds were very close. Anderson Silva won, I believe, the middle rounds, maybe four, five, and maybe six. And then the last two rounds were also up for grabs until that knockdown. So... He didn't need it, but it punctuated a performance that I think, um, outside of his pe the people that hate Jake Paul and will never give him credit, I think a lot of people uh, understand that this kid is pretty good, man. He's, he's making a lot of progress. He's not a world beater right now, but he, he's a damn good fighter. Yeah, he's a pretty good fighter, and you got to give credit where credit's due to both fighters. Jake Paul for taking the fight against one of the greatest MMA fighters ever and Anderson Silva, and Anderson Silva being 47 years old and still putting on a good performance. But... You say the people that hate Jake Paul and they're never going to give him credit. That always means what's next because I do feel like this was the toughest fight to, of, to date for his career, but he's got to keep up in the ante. So what do you think is going to be next for Jake Paul? You know, it's interesting because we keep hearing the same people say, well, he's got to fight a professional boxer. And then the real question is, well, what the hell does that mean? Because KSI, you know, his longtime rival, uh, fought two professional boxers on the same night. And for lack of a better term, they were both trash. They were not very good professional boxers. Anderson Silva is better than anybody the KSI has fought and better than most people. And the reality is, you know, a lot of people want to see him fight Tommy Fury, which can always take place in the U.K. because Tommy can't come to the States. That fight makes a lot of sense, but to me, that fight is an easier fight than Anderson Silva. That feels like the next logical step for me. If it's not Tommy Fury, it's going to be another former MMA fighter, and that would be Nate Diaz, because that is a big, big money fight. 
And there's always the KSI fight that, that's kind of hanging around. So we know that Jake Paul wants to improve, but I don't think when people say that they want him to fight a real boxer, what they're really saying is, I want to see Jake Paul lose. Because <laughs> your favorite fighters of all time, Manny Pacquiao was sixth fight, he fought a guy who was like 8'19". Uh, somebody like Julio Cesar Chavez Sr., who is credited as one of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time, his sixth pro fight, he fought a guy that was 0-0, lost to Chavez, and then never fought again. So we got to be very careful about how we want Jake Paul to progress, because he's progressing just fine. But I think if you're picking the, the next opponent, it's either Tommy Fury or Nate Diaz. I think the KSI fight will always be there. Nate is, is hot right now. I think it's a very sensible fight to make, especially after what happened backstage. Again, we're talking to Andreas Hell here on the fight game. And when it comes to Jake Paul and who could be that next opponent, you mentioned people want to see him fight a real boxer, and I'm with you. When they say that, they just want to see him lose. But his 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 market strategy, his strategy is of just picking the retired MMA fighter. Do you think that's the best route to go? Because to be honest, I don't want to see him fight a real boxer. If he fought someone that's 10-0 and 0 and they and he beats him, well, that takes the fun out of it. So do you like the strategy of just picking whichever retired MMA fighter that's a little bit smaller than him that he can find? Um, yeah, but I think those days are pretty much done. I think Anderson Silva is the last, like, you know, retired, smaller MMA fighter. Uh, at 47 years old, yeah, I mean, people are going to be critical of it. Uh, but I like the strategy of getting old UFC fighters paid. And that's the idea that I really like. And he's really sticking it to Dana White in terms of his fighter pay. Obviously, he made the bet with Anderson Silva that he wants to start a fighters union. We'll see how that turns out. They've tried these things before. GSP has tried it before. But I like that idea. Now, he can't go on fighting MMA fighters forever. And obviously, if he fights Nate Diaz, whose contract is just up with the UFC, people got to remember, Nate Diaz, Barred with Andre Ward. Like, he is, he's always wanted to box. So that makes sense. But after that, he doesn't need to fight any more MMA fighters. Um, but the options get slim, to be honest with you, because if he fights a pro fighter, like you said, who was 10-0, I guarantee you nobody's going to know who that fighter is. That's the challenge of being somebody as big and as marketable as Jake Paul, is that you have to find names that people want to see you fight. Listen, hardcore boxing fans are never going to give him the credit, but they're also not paying to watch him fight. So he's going to have to fight somebody with a name, like a Tommy Fury, or with some kind of status, like a Nate Diaz, to continue this trek that he's on. Yeah, he wants to fight Can Canelo, but that's utterly ridiculous. But who can we find him that's a pro fighter that's kind of young in their career, that's in his weight class, that people want to see fight? That's difficult, and I don't know how we get there. Yeah, and you mentioned about like pro box, like pro boxing fans, the diehards. They're not want they don't want to see Jake Paul fight. So you were there out there in Phoenix. Who actually is showing up to a Jake Paul fight? You know, it's a completely different audience than most uh, boxing you know, shows. So you have, uh, you know, the guys like Sean O'Malley was there, and uh, Dan Bilzerian, the poker player, was there. And you have uh, Andrew Tate, who is a jerk, but it is what it is. He was there. So what, you have a certain generation that doesn't typically go to fights that are showing up for these events. And they're the gen a lot of them are the Generation Zers the TikTok generation, the YouTubers, the social media influencers. I saw kids in the crowd, like legitimate, like six-year-olds in suits with their parents. So it's a completely different crowd. But the fun part about it is, I know some people don't care, but if you're, if you're watching a fight and you find somebody that you like on an undercard, that's actually a pro boxer that's pretty good, you might end up following their journey. So the audiences are different, but I think Jake Paul is introducing young fans to the sport who may transition over and watch a David Benavides or watch a Canelo or watch a Devin Haney or watch a Vasily Lomachenko. There is a crossover there that he's building in the bridge, but this fight is, is very different than what you would see at the recent uh, Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. They're just completely different audiences. Again, we're talking to Andreas Hale here on The Fight Game. And something I wanted to talk to you about, the, the headline really grabbed me, so I had to click on it. Stop blaming Jake Paul for boxing's biggest problems. Why YouTuber is no scapegoat for boxing's lack of integrity. And I'm with you. The biggest problem in boxing is boxing. You mentioned the Spence and Crawford fight not happening. And the biggest fight that these guys are having is on Twitter. So why do you think that boxing just can't get out of its own way? Because it needs to find somebody else to blame. Boxing doesn't want to accept accountability for its failures. Like, while it's great that a lot of these fighters are getting paid very well, the fact that we aren't seeing the best fighting the best, especially in 2022 when you tease fights like Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury or you tease Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia, and it felt like we were at the finish line for Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr., and that fight's not happening, 
But boxing has to find somebody else to blame. They say, well, Jake Paul's ruined the integrity of the sport. No, boxing, you ruin your own integrity. And it's not one individual. It's just kind of the sport as a whole. Too many sanctioning bodies, too many belts, too many promoters, too many networks makes fights very difficult to get made. However, the bigger issue is, as these fighters get on social media and they'll talk like they're going to have a fight, but most people don't care about the business behind the scenes and why fights don't get made. All they see is fighter A say he wants to fight fighter B. Why is not that not happening? So the, the hardcore boxing fans and the boxing pundits and the journalists, like I've been covering the sport for over a decade, that, that these people want to blame somebody else when you have to look no further than blaming the sport itself for its mishaps or bad judging or failed drug tests. Those things hurt boxing more than Jake Paul fighting because you know what you can do. You don't have to watch him fight. But the fact of the matter is that the biggest fights that we want to see get made aren't getting made, and that hurts the sport more than anything else. And that's why a lot of people run to the UFC, because as much as we complain about fighter pay, the best are still fighting the best for the most part. So what do you think would be the next big fight that boxing could make? Because the thing that makes sense to me legitimately would be something in that lightweight division. But is, or do those fighters have the names to be a big draw? Yeah, I think Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis is a very, very, very big fight if they can get the deal done. Granted, these are two fighters that are under different promoters and different networks. Ryan Garcia is tied with the Zone and Golden Boy. Tank Davis is tied with Showtime and PBC. So if they can get the business done, that's probably the next big fight. And it's, and it's, it's necessary because Ryan Garcia is such a social media star and Javante Davis grabs the ima imagination of younger fight fans. It's good to have that crossover. Obviously, we want to see Spence and Crawford. I think that fight still happens at some point, but I don't think it happens until probably late next year at this point. But Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis, that's the fight I think that needs to be made in boxing right now. Canelo's got a rebound. You got, you got Tyson Fury's fighting uh, Derek Chisora in December in a fight that nobody cares about. So you want to fight, have a fight that captures all audiences, the younger demographic, and that's the fight that needs to be made, and hopefully they can figure it out. Another fight that I want to ask you about, because I feel like I want to see it, but I don't know how much the public wants to see it, Shakur Stevenson, Devin Haney, do you think that that fight makes any noise, or will it just be a good boxing fight for the boxing purist? You know, that's a good question. I think right now it's a, it's a good fight for the boxing purist. But what we're seeing with both Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson is they're playing it smart. Uh, they're fighting everybody. Devin Haney is lined up now with a fight with Vasily Lomachenko that will probably happen early next year. Shakur Stevenson has moved up to lightweight. He wants to take on all comers. You have two guys who are rising in popularity, who have a strong social media presence. They're also younger, and they're excellent at what they do. I don't think that fight happens next year, maybe not even the year after, but I think it's coming sooner than we think. I think Devin Haney is just a, a weight class above Shakur. I think this will be his last fight at 35. I think he'll permanently go to 40 and deal with the Tank Davises and the Ryan Garcias. And Shakur Stevenson will probably clean up at 135. But very similar to Crawford and Spence, these two are on a collision course. They'll meet sometime soon, hopefully, and we don't have to deal with the business nonsense to keep hanging up the Crawford-Spence fight. All right, man, I think we pretty much covered it. No, no, before I let you go, I got to get your thoughts on Crown Jewel because we spent so much time talking about Jake Paul, Logan Paul, and the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. What are you going to expect there? I expect a lot of fun, man. You know, a lot of people know I'm a huge, huge, huge pro wrestling fan. So I'll be watching Crown Jewel early on Saturday on the Peacock Network. But I, I'm so intrigued by this because the Bloodline storyline has been fantastic. Sami Zayn has been exceptional in his role uh, with this group. And a lot of people said, I don't like Logan Paul facing Roman Reigns. Look, guys, it's pro wrestling. I'm having a good time. Saudi Arabia gets what Saudi Arabia wants. They're going to have a huge, huge match on their hands. It's going to be a lot of fun. But there's no way in hell that Logan Paul's beating Roman Reigns. <laughs> but what we will see is a very fun match with Logan Paul showing his athleticism, showing that he's willing to do things that, you know, younger wrestlers wouldn't even try. You know, a frog slides off the turnbuckle onto the table. He's going to do everything, but the tribal chief will prevail again. But it's just going to be a ton of fun. All right, and Bobby Brock, is that going to be the match of the night? I don't know, man. It depends on what Brock Lesnar shows up. If it's the Brock Lesnar that's coming to collect the bag, he's just going to spam some finishes to get the hell out of there. But if it's a different Brock that wants to put Bobby Lashley over, I think we could have a really fun match. I'm not sure what the match of the night is just yet. I think the Usos and the Brawling Boots could have a, a tremendous match as well. Uh, Bailey and Bianca in a last, man, last woman standing match should be really good. 
there's a lot of options here for match of the night. But um, if, if the dialed-in Brock shows up, we're going to get a train wreck, and it's going to be a fun one at that. So, yeah, I think, I think Brock's getting paid enough to have a good match. <laughs> Give me about a 12-minute barn burner for these guys to tear it up. All right, Andreas, thank you so much for your time. Anything that you need to promote? Anything you want to let the fans know what you got going out? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you've nailed everything. You know, obviously, I have my Fighting Word show on YouTube. I have the Clobbering Time podcast. We're on a hiatus. Season one's over. We start season two at the beginning of next year, which is my boxing podcast. You can always tune into the corner. We'll be at ESPN ringside to Kel Dansby. Three shows a week, boxing, wrestling, and MMA. Uh, and then our heels rock. Me and Biggie from the WWE and Johnny Davenport, who designs everybody's ring gear, uh, we got together. We started to kickstart it in 2020. We raised over $150,000 to make a cartoon that kind of blends the worlds of schoolhouse rock and the civil rights era. So our first pilot episode is near completion. It's on Ruby Bridges. It features Rhapsody. It's going to be great, and you'll see that probably in the first half of uh, next year. So that's probably it. I think you've covered everything, though, man. I really appreciate it. All right, thank you for your time. All right, take it easy. And that was Andreas Hell, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Andreas Hell. I mean, I could have talked to him forever, but I know that he's very busy. You heard the list of things that he's got going on. When we come back, I'm going to break down and preview the full Crown Jewel card. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game with Demond Cotton. And we're back here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. And we're back here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. And let's go ahead and get into Crown Jewel. Yes, the Crown Jewel of WWE. As this Saturday in Saudi Arabia, the WWE, they spared no expenses. Andrea said, you know, Saudi gets what Saudi wants. And they got another good card here. I mean, you've got AJ Styles and the Good Brothers taking on Judgment Day. You've got Brock Bobby, something that I love it whenever. I love a good on-site rivalry. I know for some people, though, there's not a lot of story. Just give me two guys here. What's what's the beef? What's the feud? It's on-site. Braun Strowman versus Omos, where, hey, what's going on with these two guys here? Just two giants. Who's going to be the biggest, baddest guy in WWE? Love that as well. Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross in a steel cage match. You can't, you can't mess up a steel cage match. That's all I'm going to say there. The Usos versus the Brawling Brutes. Butch and Ridge Holland. You know, got Sheamus. He's gonna, he's off of TV. You know, storyline-wise, they hurt his arm, the bloodline. Real life, Sheamus got married, so shout out to Sheamus. Got the Raw Women's Championship. A last man standing match versus Bianca Belair versus Bayley. That's going to be great. And then you've got the Women's Tag Team Championship match. Oscar and Alexa Bliss, the new champions, going to be taking on damage control eo sky and dakota kai so with that big of a card that wwe is going to be giving us for crown jewel let's go ahead and break it down and i don't know where i want to start but i know the fight the match that i am most looking forward to seeing and that's brock lesnar and bobby lashley yes is there unfinished business i mean these guys they did have a match at royal rumble earlier this year Bobby Lashley, he defeated Brock Lesnar. So you got that. But it's not, it was just a little taste. Just a, just a little taste. And it didn't give me everything that I wanted there. So, hey, you've got Bobby Lashley. He's in the ring. He's going he's gonna to defend his United States Championship. Brock Lesnar comes out. Bobby Lashley gives him an F5. Ragdolls him around the ring. Bobby's got to get his revenge on Brock, puts him through the announcer's table the next week. And then you've got this past Monday Night Raw, Triple H does the the no fighting. Triple H tries to come out. The entire locker room are trying to separate these two guys. And then you got to bring out the big boss, Triple H. And Triple H, before he can even get out a word, these guys, they're going right back at it again and again. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, like I said, an on-site feud. Storyline-wise, why do these two guys not like each other? Couldn't tell you. Two guys, great amateur background, former MMA fighters, almost similar in build and height and weight. There's just so many similarities with these guys. 
that they just have to not like each other. There just has to be a fight. Who's going to be the top dog? Who's the baddest man in WWE? And for me, that's enough storyline. I'm going to be honest. Just two guys who are just going to rip each other's head off that we know have that legitimate back. We know that they have that legitimate background and they want to fight each other. And if you need somewhat of a storyline, you're just like, hey, these are just two guys that are just having tear apart brawls every week. Where's the story there? Well, they gave you the story when Brock Lesnar cost Bobby Lashley the United States Championship. So, hey, you cost him his title. Now he's coming after you. I mean, what more could you want? And for me, I just want to see a big hoss fight. Like Big E said, big meaty man bumping meat. That's all I need. Just two big hosses in there bumping up. I mean, just, just give me finishers. Just give me the WWE 2K version of this. Remember, you know how you can get your character, like how many finishers do you already want to start the match so that way you don't have to build up your meter? Yeah, let me just start off with um, five spears for Bobby, five F5s for Brock. Just just trade, just trade, just trade. Just eat each other's finisher, no sell them, and then after five of those, then we can actually start the match. And be like, oh, that's crazy. Nope, 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 it's not. That's what I want to see. And picking a winner in this one, I don't see Brock Lesnar, you know, he lost a few to Roman Reigns. I mean, loss after loss after loss, you know, had the final loss at SummerSlam, you know, even though he flipped the ring over. But I just think that Brock Lesnar can't lose this many in a row. And I know that Bobby Lashley, like the ba- the organic babyface run that he's been on since splitting with him from MVP, it's been great. Bobby Lashley has made himself an organic babyface in the WWE. And Brock's in this tweener area. It's a gray area with Brock because, you know, Brock's going to get cheered no matter what. And it's a Saudi show. This is like the secret doesn't matter universe of the WWE. So I do think that Brock Lesnar is going to be able to get this win. It's not going to hurt Bobby at all. Bobby's still going to have his shine as one of the best baby faces on Raw. But Brock Lesnar, not that he needs a win, but it just makes more sense to me that Brock Lesnar wins at crown jewel next match i want to talk about the oc aj styles carl anderson and luke gallows the good brothers in aj styles the oc i really don't like the name the oc to be honest you know the the club let's let the club stuff let's let's put it to rest because they're going to be taking on the judgment day with the original founder of the bullet club finn balor finn balor mentioned that in the promo a couple of weeks ago everybody's been eating off what he started for a decade now and he's not wrong he started the bullet club you know, leaves to come over to WWE, AJ Styles takes over, but this is all, it's, this is what Finn Balor created, and we're still, I'm not saying that you can't eat off of it, because the Bullet Club is still one of the most popular factions in all of professional wrestling, but when it comes to the WWE, the OC, you know, everything that this feud is doing is great, but just the name, I just, ah, just give them something other than the OC, but the OC versus the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio, and you've got the wild card of Rhea Ripley. I mean, we've seen Rhea body slam the big LG Lou Gallows. We know that she's going to be a problem for whoever. But the Good Brothers, they said that they've got a Rhea problem. Is there going to be anything that they can do about it? Finn Balor tried to get AJ Styles to come over to the Judgment Day. So to see that AJ Styles, he's got the good brothers backing him up in this match. I just got to be honest. I got to pick the Judgment Day. Storyline-wise, the Judgment Day, they can't lose. They started off losing so much, so much, so much. And I know that the OC's back. But these guys are just here for a check. Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. I'm not saying that they don't love professional wrestling. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But the checks are still clearing win or a loss and the judgment day needs that momentum to be that dominant hill faction in the wwe if that makes sense the judgment day like their momentum i know when it comes to actual sports i don't believe in momentum when it comes to football basketball no momentum is not a thing but when it comes to the world of professional wrestling yes you need that momentum so the fans can still stay behind they can be invested in the storyline. You don't want to see the Judgment Day lose just almost every other pay-per-view. So, I know that, hey, I would rather root for AJ Styles, but the Judgment Day has got to get the win here. Next up, we've got Braun Strowman versus Omos. And this is just one of those 
attraction matches. You don't see this in WWE too much. I remember Daniel Bryan, Bryan Daniels, when he had the quote of, hey, the WWE is like a circus, you know? For Daniel Bryan to matter as much as he did in WWE, you need people like the Big Show because it's got to give you a little bit of everything in the circus that is the WWE. But sometimes in the circus, you just want to see two giants going up against each other, and that's what Braun Strowman versus Omos is going to be. Does Braun Strowman, does he need to lose? I mean, this is his first big match back after signing back with WWE, but almost needs something. Almost needs to, he needs to beat someone other than just jobbers. He needs a feud. I need more. And then these guys, they're on two separate brands. Almost is on Raw. Braun Strowman's on SmackDown. So you can separate them. They don't need to clash every time. But these two guys, they can be separated. But to have that fear, and he's not just beating up local enhancement talent every Monday, almost needs that win. And maybe we can see him work a little bit more in the ring rather than the offense that you see, hey, clothesline the local talent and hit him with the finish. So maybe we see a little bit more. The same way in Brock Bobby, hey, just start him off with a couple of finishers. Hey, maybe just do the same thing with Braun and Omos as well. Going with almost in that one. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a steel cage match. Drew McIntyre ambush Karrion Cross. I mean, I know it's been warranted, but he ambushes him in the steel cage match. I mean, not excuse me, not in the steel cage match, but outside of the arena, basically in a car accident. I mean, he like laid him out, crushes him with the car door, and it makes you think, what the hell is going on? Drew McIntyre, he's incensed. He's got to get his hands on Karrion Cross, and for good reason. I mean, you, you've had a botched fireball. You've had Mace beats him in the strap match. But Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross at Crown Jewel in a steel cage match. And I don't know how this is going to go because Karrion Cross, what avenues is he going to have to get the upper hand against Drew McIntyre in a steel cage match? As you know, there's nowhere to go. But... Drew McIntyre needs this win. Drew McIntyre, he cannot be losing. He's one of the top baby faces in all of WWE. If they had the two split titles and Roman didn't have both titles, Drew McIntyre, he should have the other one. If Roman Reigns is going to keep the WWE the Universal Championship, probably the Universal because he's held it longer, Drew McIntyre deserves that other one. That's how good he's been for the WWE. And for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships, the Usos and the Brawling Brutes. I don't think that you're going to see Sammy involved in this match at all. I know that the bloodline has been great. The bloodline, hey, you're not Usy enough. You're inner Us. But Sammy Zayn, he's never been to any of the Saudi shows. Don't expect him to show up on this one either. So the Usos versus the Brawling Brutes. The bloodline feud is just too good. And also, you're not getting those titles off of the Usos or at a Saudi show. The Usos are going to retain over the Brawling Brutes, but it's going to be a good match. Butch and Ridge Holland, Pete Dunne, I mean, he is so good. He is so good. One of the best all-around wrestlers has been doing this for, shoot, a decade and a half, and he's only 26, 27. Butch is one of the best things going. Ridge Holland, a powerhouse as well, but the Usos are going to retain over the Brawling Brutes. The Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Before we get to that, let's go ahead and move over, excuse me. The Women's Tag Team Championship match to set up, get that intrigue there. Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Dakota Kai and Eosky. Asuka and Bliss, they won those championships and now we get the rematch at Crown Jewel. And I do think that Bailey, she's going to be preoccupied. She's going to be focusing on her match against Bianca Belair. So I don't think there's going to be any chicanery that Damage Control can pull. And Alexa Bliss and Asuka, I do believe they're going to retain. Because Bailey's going to be too tied up, the leader of Damage Control, she's going to be too tied up with the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair. And this is going to be a last man standing match. Now, this is epic just because you've got two women's matches on the card for Saudi Arabia. That's going to be an impressive feat in of itself. Nikki Cross, is she going to be on the peripheral? Is she maybe could she interfere? I don't believe so. But Bianca, I don't want to see this feud in that she has with Bailey. But man, it's been so damn good. But Bianca Belair, she's going to have to retain this championship or maybe the WWE, maybe they could do the, hey, damage control, Bailey, women's champion. 
EO Sky, Dakota Kai, tag team champions. I don't know if they want to pull the trigger on that just yet, but that is also a possibility. In the main event of the evening, the undisputed Universal Championship of the world, Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul. The frenzy that was at the Mad the Mad Dog Saloon in Vegas at Resorts World was already it was un, it was a lot. It was enough. Just when they announced the press conference the day before on SmackDown, hey, there's going to be a press conference on Saturday. Logan Paul's going to be there. And then you've got Roman Reigns, the entire bloodline, the storyline that they have been that they have been giving you. That Logan Paul, all he needs is that one lucky shot. He lasted in the ring with Mayweather. How competitive of a fight it was doesn't matter. He's lasted in the ring with the best boxer of all time. Of all time, now he's going to be taking it to Roman Reigns in the WWE ring in Saudi Arabia. How much does he have? Is there going to be some chicanery with the Usos? I don't know. You've seen the storyline that Jay is just bucking at the tribal chief. He's, get, he's sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. And maybe Jay comes out, tries to give Roman Reigns a little bit of assist. Roman's get out of here. Boom, Logan Paul is able to land that lucky shot and give us a falsie. But credit to Logan Paul, man. He has shown that he's getting better and better in the ring. Training with Shawn Michaels. He's going to go out there and he's going to show everybody how athletic he is. Just how much of a natural he is in the ring. Is he going to earn Roman Reigns' respect? I believe so. But Roman Reigns is the big dog. He's the tribal chief. No way he's losing this title anytime soon. If you're not his cousin, The Rock, or maybe Cody Rhodes, it's not even in question that you're going to beat Roman Reigns for that undisputed WWE Universal Championship. So that's just about going to do it because there's nothing left to say about WWE Crown Jewel. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be an exciting show because the WWE, they always put on a skeptical. And those Saudi shows got to get the Saudi bag. So it's just going to about do it for us today here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Again, special thanks to Andreas Hale. Like I said, man, that's been a dream interview of mine since, since UNLV, since the college days of trying to get an interview with Andreas. So check him out at Andreas Hale on Twitter. And again, stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody. It's been the fight game with Demon Cotton on 1230 the game.